see my beautiful chocolate face here <laughs> and that uh, gorgeous face of yours uh, we look good together milk and yeah. chocolate always go well together <laughs> yeah. i've always thought <laughs> all right do you want to um just get a bit closer in here just so we can see you on the tiktokies oh, finally on tiktok this is your first it's i yeah i've never on it i yeah. don't even i don't even have an account a lot of people seem to be apprehensive about getting on the tiktok that a lot of conspiracy theories out and about as to why you shouldn't be on this platform because the Chinese mm. are monitoring you. Um, but it's not a conspiracy theory. It's, it's actually true. <laughs> well, it's not only the monitoring. It's more of the fact that I think... I don't know if you've seen what's been happening a lot lately, and they did um, a good piece on it on 60 Minutes about um, teenage girls developing tics. Like, um, what's it called? The, oh, what do they call it? Tourette syndrome. Tourette syndrome ticks. Yeah, Tourette's. And uh, they think it's got a lot to do with TikTok because number one, people try to mimic each other and it's sort of this like sort of this copying thing. But it's also, I, I believe it's not only to do with that, but it's also got to do with the fast pace of TikTok, like how it only shows 20 seconds at a time. And then on top of that, they're blaming it on COVID and the stress of COVID, which it could be a thing. Well, everything's because of COVID now, oh, yeah. right? It's yeah. like, but I, I think it's also this maybe something. Like, do you remember those old school times when they used to have popcorn ads in a cinema that had subliminal, subliminal messages? Yeah, I heard about it. In the 60s, they started showing uh, Coca-Cola commercials throughout the commercials, and they noticed the increase of sales would go up by you know, 30 40% or something like that. But prior, they, would, they would have subliminal messages in in the actual movies which would tell people to like refresh their beverages and i wonder if there's something in the tiktok algorithm that makes people like well i, I found it really interesting how all of a sudden people are addicted to the program or the app well we can go into that because mm. i mean there's stuff that is openly understood in terms of creating a social media platform in a way to to hit that dopamine I mean, to give you that dopamine shot so you constantly want to use it the more and more you get those likes and so forth. But then there's the uh, what I call the conspiratorial side of things where people mm. can actually put subliminal messages into you. But before we get too far, <laughs> uh, we got someone requesting an invite. Ladies and gentlemen, we are broadcasting on the TikTok. I'm going to be putting this up on the YouTube. Uh, I am Chris Shul, a.k.a. I also go by... The Chocolate Nubian Soul Brother. That's what I use on my podcast. This is actually a live stream that's going to be going out on YouTube. I don't do this often on TikTok. Usually I just serenade the senoritas, but you are very fortunate to be listening to me. And the very beautiful Nicolette Panko, who is a criminal criminologist, a researcher. She is a, a, a health nut, yeah. amongst many other things, which we're going to get into. But ladies and gentlemen, if you, uh, if you want to check out my YouTube, my podcast, you can find us through the... The TikTok uh, hub. I mean, basically all my links are on there. But um, without further ado, just want to let you guys know to like this video, subscribe, click on the bell, tell your friends, drop us some comments, follow us on the Patreon. Buckle up. This <laughs> is about to get lit. Nicolette here is is not just a pretty face. She is someone that is deeply into the world. She lives in many worlds. She lives in the in the world of fitness, the world of health, the world of criminology, conspiracy, psychology. 
But without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to you, Nicolette. Do you want to just give us perhaps a, a, a bigger synopsis of who you are and what you do? Oh, okay. This always puts me on a spot. Um, so, yeah, I've always been interested in crime for, I don't know, my whole life. My whole life. And so started um, first started doing a de- uh, degree in forensic science, moved on to that. And then did psychology and neuroscience because if we're going to understand the way people are, we've got to get to understanding them, how they are psychologically and also more in terms of the brain. And then from there, I went into criminology or um, criminal justice and sort of found my niche. And as I was doing that, because my sort of career path started with um, focusing on just general criminal mind, serial killers, everything like that. And then I really got into the corporate field and corporate crime and realized that's where the real sociopaths are. And um, What about in politics? I thought that's where all the sociopaths were at. Yeah. No? Cor- yeah. Corporations? I think, as I said, I think anyone who um, gets to the point where they want to be a politician on that, there's a heavy narcissism and sociopathic nature with them. Uh, but it was really interesting. I moved, I stepped away for a bit from that career and just got into fitness for a bit. But then crime always called me. So I'm back in it again. I'm doing my PhD at this current time and I'm trying to put a proper meditation program in prisons here in Australia. And on top of that, I'm working as a researcher and then also as a teacher at a university. And I'm teaching forensic science. Wow. So I'm doing quite a bit right now. And then on, on, on the weekends, if I'm lucky, I get to um, I DJ. <laughs> okay. We're covering a lot of different areas here. Yeah. So I've had you on two other times. Yeah. We've spoken about criminology, what's been going on in terms of this pandemic. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we can't speak about for obvious reasons because you say anything that goes against the narrative and you will most likely get flagged off of YouTube and TikTok as well. But just picking it up from the criminology area, because you mentioned that you are working in prisons with with offenders, I presume, or trying to create some kind of system yeah. for them to rehabilitate themselves. I love that because a lot of people look at prison as a form of rehabilitation, but as I'm sure you're aware, you, you more often than not, people that are brought up in the prison system, they end up being repeat offenders, so it doesn't yeah. really help the problem, right? So what are we putting them in jail for if if not to punish them, which obviously was part of it, but if we're truly rehabilitating them, that's where you come in with your program. So how does how does meditation and what you're doing uh, prevent repeat offenders and kind of help that whole thing? The, the thing with the prisoner system is that they have these programs on offer and at the same time, the funding behind prisons is not there. So yeah, they might have these programs on offers, but a lot of prisoners don't have that help. Like you're looking at with prisoners them in, in general, a lot of them are in there because of a drug-related crime or substance abuse-related crime. And when you think about drug and drug addictions, should they be in there? Should we be locking people up for addictions when it is really a mental health condition? And when we're locking up people with um, addictions, putting them in prison is probably the last place you want to put them because prisons are so rife with drugs and you know homemade moonshine and everything like that. Um, so are we actually fixing the problem? Are we fixing their addiction problem to begin with? But mm. uh, but then the programs that they do have there, they can't access it. There's not enough funding. So why don't we put in a program which um, with meditation and the few meditation programs have run, especially in America. Um, Donaldson Prison in Georgia was one of the places which first started doing a Vipassana program and it did wonders. And this is a program that's run by volunteers. 
Um, why don't we have more of that in it? And it's when people learn meditation, it's something that they can use later on in life. You don't need to always have a focus group or something like that to sort of practice it. So once some, the, the practitioner learns it, they can always use that tool to go to. But the thing with meditation is a lot of people, and especially those apps like Calm um, and Headspace, everyone thinks it's great, but there is a dark side to meditation, and this is what not people think about. Ooh, a and dark side to meditation? There is a dark okay. side. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, meditation is supposed to be an attentional and awareness, and it's supposed to make you compassionate when you bring up certain past traumas. But if you've got someone who's really um, gone through some trauma and there isn't someone to guide them properly, it, it can be dangerous and it can lead to things such as re-traumatization and um, what's the word? Um, body. Bo body out, out of body experiences? Bo no, not, no. not so body um, spirit, but um, separate. Just, I always forget the word disposition or separation. And it's really not good that good. So Schizophrenia yeah, or something along those lines? Separate, it's, yeah. it's, it's more of the fact that... Um, just a separation from themselves or not wanting to deal with that, that trauma. Sure. Um, so when it comes to like, these apps, it's great, but everyone's jumping on the, the I call it the McMindfulness thing, where it's been McDonaldized to the point where we just put mindfulness in this thing, mindfulness in that thing, similar to what they did with protein. You know, all of a sudden everything's got protein in it and it loses its value. And the true art of meditation is being denatured into these sort of banal self-help techniques when it's something a bit more deeper. Yeah, I'm always intrigued to see how people look at concepts like meditation because from an Eastern perspective, I mean, meditation essentially comes from, this is what I was, mm. I was taught, that it's basically the practice of stilting the mind. It comes from the word medi. I yeah. mean, that's, this is the etymology of meditation, medi, which means middle. And the basic idea is, uh, is it's a form of grounding yourself to allowing to prevent this monkey mind so we we tend to have this mind that's always going off and focusing on a whole bunch of different things but when you suspend yourself from all the many things that are going on in your head and bring yourself into center groundedness that's when you're able to uh, allow like that calmness that groundedness yeah. to take over and there are many different practices that are try to achieve different goals but at least in my mind it's the it's the process of bringing yourself into center. Yes. So how do you, um, how do you, is, is, if, if you don't mind me asking, do you have a similar view on meditation? What is it to you? Oh, I, I, I do it too. It's, it's a way to sort of stop and sort of reassess and stop being um, reactive. And that's what it ultimately does. It stops someone from using blind reactions to just stop and calm down and think for a second. Mm. And the thing is, though, is that saying that, um, you know, you'll, in, you know, at the start, they, they, I think sometimes it's soul in this thing where it's going to relax you faster and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know about you. Sometimes when I first started meditating, it brought mm -hmm. up a lot of things. Yeah. And I it's, see. it's not always this sunshine and rainbows things, mm -hmm. you know, it does bring up a lot. I, I think I understand what you mean. First of all, uh, I've just noticed we got quite a few followers joining us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to share this, tell your mom, tell your friends, um, and give us a follow. I don't know if Nicolette is doing the whole TikTok thing. You, you told me that you're a little apprehensive about TikTok, which no. we'll get into soon <laughs> enough. But um, in regards to meditation, I'm really glad that we got into this because more often than not, when I hear about meditation, everyone thinks about it in the positive light. But I like with most things, there is a yin and there's a yang. There's a, yeah. there's a good and a bad. And just to add on what you were saying, one of the things that I have learned is that um, 
in regards to meditation, it's a it's a it's an activity where you are cutting off this conscious mind and you're very getting very caught up in the subconscious, the unconscious, call it what you will, right? The thing is, it is important to have a level of consciousness as well about you. And I think there are people, I've heard this anyway, that get too caught up in the whole meditation, hippie, you know, chakras and uh, kundalini rising and, you know, this, and all, all the astrology kind of stuff. And they are not as focused in the conscious realm. So in terms of seeing things logically and one of the... Uh, one of the things that I've heard is that it's important to make sure that regardless of um, how deep you get into your meditation, how often you do it, also to try to keep yourself conscious about just the, the way that you perceive reality. Don't get too one-sided when it comes to uh, anything, you know, because I look at meditation as a, a way of kind of suspending yourself in the conscious mind. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I just think there's probably some truth to that in the sense that you may be cutting yourself up from the conscious part of you if you're falling too deep into meditation well i think any practice should keep you humble okay and i've seen it with i call it uh, toxic sp spirituality and it's these people that when they start finding spirituality or which they i don't know if anyone has ever experienced this but people become so spiritual that it's condescending. Yeah, they weaponize it, and they weaponize I can feel your aura. it. You're just not in the right vibration. Online. Yeah, you spend time it's with like, me. I'm um, gonna, I'm gonna sit with my energies. womanhood and blah blah blah, and feel my, you know, and they talk about the women's cycle. Like, good, yeah. good for them, but like, I'm the type of person where I don't need to be involved in a circle to really ground myself sure. with people. But I like, I'm very private. But it gets to that point with some spiritual aspects and people. I've seen this time and time again where it's almost cult like. And I try to detach myself from any groups that are very full on like that because you shouldn't have to, people should support you, but when people s start supporting you and then sort of punishing you for not doing certain tasks and things, mm -hmm. that's when you know you're like, Ooh. absolutely. And no doubt you've seen people on interwebs on TikTok that are doing this whole kind of like, I can feel your aura and I can see everything. And then they try to project this narrative that they are. They are guided by some divine force and they know everything, but they can't even tell you uh, th that the earth rotates around the sun and they think the earth is flat and they have no conscious groundedness mm. in regards to looking at reality. And more importantly, I think there's a pompous attitude that sometimes comes with that whole realm. And you, dealt, you, you touched on this earlier. I want to talk about narcissism a little here because mm. this is something you very much see in this space of meditation, hoo-ha, you know, crystals and what, whatnot. That's something that you very much see within the realm of politics and corp corporations, right? Yeah. But I think it's something that you also see on TikTok. Admittedly, I am very much like that. In the sense, it's like, every, everybody look at me. I'm the best, you know. But I don't, to be honest, I don't even know what narcissism is. This is something that is thrown around a lot. And I know because this is something that is kind of within your area of speciality. What is that? And how does that relate to, um, um, well, the criminology scene, because I'm sure you come across a lot of narcissists in that world, right? The, there's so many levels of narcissism, and narcissism can pre, uh, present itself in that grandiose way in which I always need the attention. I f I'm, you know, sort of self-important, and they designate themselves as this top person where, you know, everything is, everything that everything that's happened in their life is because of them. Mm -hmm. and it's sort of a really... But wait, isn't that true? Sorry to interject you there, but like to, to, to some extent, the things that happen around you are because of you, right? But but when but for example, if if something 
good happens to everyone, they they believe it's because of them. Mm-hmm. Sort of similar to that. But then you've got another side of narcissism where people are very um, self-conscious and it's sort of this reverse narcissism and that's a really toxic one as well. I, I've been uh, dealing... Reverse narcissism. So it's it's like they use... They're very narcissistic and they believe they have all like a, a sort of self-entitlement, but they don't work for it. And then when something, if you criticize them, it's very toxic and they become very um, harsh. I, I've been dealing with someone quite recently and I'm not going to name names, but it, it had to do an, uh, with uh, events. Uh, mm. They weren't supposed to come. Uh, they were uninvited for a reason. And it became this whole big issue about how dare you not invite me, me sure. of all people, to the point where after this event occurred, lies and manipulations took place to start to, start to turn one person against the other. Mm. And it was really interesting to watch because at the end of the day, it wasn't even about that person. You know, we weren't about that person, we were about celebrating this thing. But it, it became a whole issue entirely. Sure. And it's narcissists tend to f- sort of focus on these small details and these small conversations where they have arguments in their head and this constant chatter. Mm. To the point you're not looking at the bigger picture of what life is. Sure. You know, life is like going out and achieving goals and doing this. And if if you if you weren't narcissists, you wouldn't worry about this. You'd just be living your life and just achieving the best life you can and rising people up with you and supporting people up sure. with you along the way. I think we can all agree that that is the ideal mindset to have. Mm. However, I admittedly find myself a lot of the times leaning towards this mindset where, like in the situation that you illustrated, someone doesn't invite me to a party. Now, granted, I may not express the fact that I'm pissed off and so forth, but you feel that. It's like, oh man, why doesn't this person like me? And what, what you were expressing there, that just seems like, the kind of behavior you'd find in the vast majority of people. Granted, uh, it may be something that's coming out of just anger and frustration. Like, yeah. it, is is that basically that's narcissism? A, that's a normal or, behavior that yeah. we all have because we all want to be included. Sure. And we all want to feel like we belong to something. Yeah, and but people it's, lash it's, out when they hurt, right? But it's more... That's go- just called being a bad person in my books, something we tend to do at, you know, at times, but... It's more going to that next step and manipulating mm. people and creating lies for no reason. Sure. And that's where that narcissistic person comes in. It's just like, we, we all get our egos hurt. Like, mm. you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's like anything like we're on social media and that if like certain people don't like our person, why didn't this person like my person? Yeah. We've all got that tendency now. And maybe it's more... Um, more pronounced in more the current, pronoun- yeah. More pronounced now because yeah. we're just seeing a rise of mental illnesses come up because of social media. I don't know if you've seen the whole DID um, thing, uh, dissociative identity disorder that's now sweeping TikToks. No, but I often hear stories about people committing suicide because they didn't get enough likes. That's a thing. Yeah. And I often hear people, uh, women, men as well, that uh, have a whole bunch of body image issues because they see all these images of pretty um, people with their chiseled bodies, you know, like me. And they, damn, then they get frustrated. No, no, I suffer from that too. Sometimes I yeah. look at, I look at, you know, why does this person have like a million likes and I have only three? It's not fair. But then but again, I, I that, that person who's got a, that person who's got a million likes is probably putting all the work in too. Whereas, like, some maybe sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, but, but, I just can't be bothered. Yeah, but look, it's too, too time-consuming. No I'd doubt. rather just live. Yeah. No, look. I, I think we would all agree that having this um, this greater mindset where you're not concerned with yourself, you know, I mean, I think it was Einstein that said that 
a life lived in service towards others is the greatest life. Something yeah. to that effect, I paraphrase. And essentially, anything you do for yourself dies when you die, but anything you do for others, it lives on uh, in infinitude, you know? So I think it, it's also something that people, as they get older, they shift their mindset towards. It's a common thing you find, mm. I've heard, within people's earliest stages of life where they're more focused on themselves and so forth. And as you get a family and, you and then you start seeing yourself through them and seeing yourself through the community and so forth, you develop this, uh, this kind of a, a universal attitude towards life. And that is obviously the opposite of narcissism, right? Because yeah. I would always think of narcissism as someone that's very centered on themselves. Everything revolves around you. But they can do it in a way in which, for example, you'll do a good deed, but it's to make you look good. Like, I don't know if you've seen those people who go out and purposely film themselves on social media, mm -hmm. um, either helping uh, a homeless person or giving money to someone or uh, pretending to paint. Sure. And it's just like, why Why do you need to film that? Like, <laughs> Nick, well, That's if, social media. Welcome to so the whole, like, I mean. Make, it's like, it's like why can't you do it without filming? Yeah. You're obviously someone that doesn't spend 24 hours a day on social media. Because I, I, that's the I whole. Actually, I actually I actually do spend yeah, quite but some you're, time. You're a, but you're a consumer, you know, for someone yeah. that is making content. You know, I mean, this is the most people that are not even on social media. Like in Dubai, you go to Dubai, right? And you see people taking shots of themselves and uploading on the Instagram, right, at parties. And then as soon as they've uploaded that, they go back to their miserable lives. Everyone wants to look as if they're having a great time, right? Because the nature of social media is that you attract people when they are attracted to what they're seeing on in your 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 sphere you know it's like oh look at that guy with a cool car um you know the, all that kind of stuff people are drawn to it yeah and i i guess what i'm saying is you, what you're saying is true but that you're speaking about the reality of social media people wanting attention people behave like that because it's the very people don't put instagram shots or tiktok photos in themselves because um they don't want anyone to see that it. it's the very nature of social media to be putting stuff out because you want to draw people to you now tell me if that's wrong and tell me what you no, see with that i'm you know like i'm 100 percent guilty like you know as, as mm. much as i like to talk about down mm. about it like i i am a hypocrite and at least i admit i'm a hypocrite but you know you only put it up you only post when you're you're positive or you're happy like it's very mm. rare that someone will post in the negative and the people who do that like fantastic but yeah. it's like this sort of facade that we're not we're not showing people of who we are anymore, and we're 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 the most connected civilization ever. Yet we're the most alone. Well said. That is that is going to be a a clip because it's so true, right? Mm. It's like the more connected we are becoming, and when I say connected, it's not connection on this real level. It's connected connection on this artificial level. We're can. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to, to have you come on my podcast, you know, on The Real, because ladies and gentlemen, you're probably not aware of this, but for the last, you know, couple of podcasts I've had, I've been doing podcasts uh, over, over Zoom and so forth with many people, had Nicolette a couple of times, and there is something you lose when someone is not in your presence. Mm. Even when you, even if it's like a microsecond delay, there's something about the communication that's not as organic, and we're losing that human element. But more importantly, it's it's an aspect of, of a uh, of real connection to actually connect with people on uh, on a physical level you know like to be able to touch them and say hello you know yeah. how are you doing and i think as much as i love social media it, it obviously allows you to connect to people it's a poor substitute for having close friends around you that you can spend time with yeah and we're uh, not really connected right and maybe that's yeah. why these girls are having Tourette problems and but like i i, I as i said I, I teach and i have um teach six classes a week and i have 
supposed to be having 30 students per class. And mm-hmm. look, I'm lucky to have 20. And some, some I have five. And hopefully it's got nothing to do with my teaching abilities. Uh, but it's no one wants to come out and connect anymore. And I've noticed now with the way I used to teach now in this current state to where it was years ago, um, just the level of social interaction and just that intelligence is, is just, it's not there anymore. Mm. And that's why um, in-person connections is so important because it is a form of emotional intelligence and an IQ, which is so important to develop. And when you take that away, it you know you don't have people knowing how to interact with anyone anymore. And that's why you have, like you've seen like in the last two years, these call-out cultures and people losing their mind and going crazy in public because they do not even know how to interact anymore because we're so used to just having tantrums online. So yeah. it's really interesting to see that developing now just in the world. And it's just maybe because we've all got phones now. And this is the thing. 1984 is here. And it's got nothing to do with the government. We've done it to ourselves. We are 1984 because everyone films everything. So whatever George Orwell felt mm-hmm. years ago, I think it's 10 times worse now because people have become their own big brother. 100%. I mean, no doubt over the last few years, I think anyone can see the fact that we are in a situation that is resembling 1984. The fact that the government has locked us down, violated the, the Universal uh, Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, we haven't been able to leave our homes, leave the country. Um, the government is trying to regulate what we put in our body and so forth. Wants and to... what we say now. Absolutely. But the interesting thing, which is what you're alluding, what you stated, is that we're doing this to ourselves. I believe it started with the government, because let's face it, it's the government that's, init- that's initially saying, you can't do this. Um, and you're you're under the threat of you know being fine and so forth. But eventually, because this is some, this is what's happened with, for instance, things like the mass mandates, right? Government says you can't do this, but then businesses start implementing these policies anyway. Then people start ch- administering these policy policies themselves. So it starts off with the government saying you can't do any of this kind of stuff. I mean, I remember uh, it was Dan Andrews. He's he used to be the premier. He's still the, he's still the premier, right? I don't know how, yeah. but yeah. But he said <laughs> at a point, right, um, when it came to the mass mandates, because when they initially came about, there were a lot of people like myself that were like, you know, you can't tell me that I have to wear a cloth over my face and so forth. But a few months later, a year later, I can't remember when it was, he said he said something like it's a cultural thing. I quote, he said that masks are now a cultural thing, right? Mm. And uh, he said, you know, they'd be staying indefinitely. But then it's actually, it, it's, it's truth to that. It's reached the point now where the vast majority of people even though it's not obligatory to wear these masks, right? They're just, you know, they're masking themselves, and it comes with a censorship as well. Granted, uh, there have been laws that have been passed, right, that are punishing people for saying offensive things and so forth. In the UK, people have been, have gone to jail because they've said things that have been offensive and so forth. But now it's been done societally. Mm. You, you get condemned. So what you're saying, I think, is very true. We are censoring ourselves. We are bringing about 1984. Yeah, and everyone is self everyone's really worried about tiptoeing around certain issues. Um it's it's now what I've it's this Orwellian thing where it's like 2 plus 2 equals 4, but if you offend me 2 plus 2 equals 5. Yeah. And people bend the rule because they don't want to offend someone, but then it's not based in logical science. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm noticing in now like 
it's it's really interesting and yeah. people are be- being thrown in jail for really small things which you know there's more things to deal with um which is more important no doubt you know my, my mind's going off on all these tangents as you're speaking you know like the, but it know, was really interesting like, as yeah. we were talking about like i i just recently went to germany and came okay. back from there and no one's like over in germany like you go to a, a venue or a bar Phones aren't allowed. In fact, if you're in a public place and there's um, you've got your phone out or in a bar, the people in Germany will actually tell you, "Sorry, don't film me." Oh, so don't film me, but don't. It's not a case of not but using also, your phone. It's but also, but also in in bars and stuff like that. If you go to a club and that, you're not allowed to use your phone. If you, and they find if you use your phone, you get kicked out because I don't want people filming because it's supposed to be privacy. This, it's all about privacy there, and it's really interesting and. Being there mm. and the people there and whoever you are, no matter what you look like, you know, who you identify as, you're just accepted. It doesn't matter. Whereas here, it's 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 really interesting the the the, the, the dichotomy between both sure. cultures. I think they moved away from the concept of racism. Obviously, that's not a mm. thing anymore. Like you know, oh, you have the wrong color eyes. Go to the gas chamber. Oh well, well when, I, when however, I, when I was there, yeah. I saw a neo-Nazi march. Happening, okay. which was really interesting to but, see. But it's an ideology thing. It's I was an just ideology about to make thing, the point. Yeah. They moved away from the physical discrimination, but now it's oh, you have the wrong kind of politics. What you're one of these uh, anti-lockdown people? Well, sorry, the government's gonna have to come after you. That's what it's like here in Australia, right? But what's it like in Germany? Did you see some of that as well? No, nothing like that over there. It was really just calm and relaxing. Um, it, in fact, everywhere I travel over in Europe recently, didn't have to worry about um, passports or anything like that. I mean, you know, the V passports. Um, what? Uh, when did when did you w- travel? Because when I wanted to travel, because ladies and gentlemen, I tried leaving. This was in June, and I couldn't get out. You know, no, this was um, but- mid June. It was harder <sighs> to get out of Australia when we got out of Australia. They wanted all our documentation. We're so strict with it. But when we got into all the countries, no, no one checked. But then when we came back, on like every place we flew to, because we went to um, four different countries. But when we flew back to Australia, it was like. In just on the plane, it's just like make sure you have this, make sure that you go blah blah. It was just really, it was a really different shift from where we were traveling to when we came back to Australia. It was really forced here, and you 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 honestly felt like fuck, I'm back here again. Mm-hmm. It was such a difference, and none of it was on the news over there. Nothing of that was on the news over there. Come back here, and it's like fear, fear, this, that, blah blah blah, these numbers and that numbers, and it's really interesting what's happened. Because we're still living in this sort of shell, and every time you go onto the news, that's all they talk about. But one thing I I I would really love any news reporter out there, um, any news station, whether it's Channel Thirty One or anyone, I would love to see. And I've been asking this for a while now from the Melbourne government because ever since they put in that legislation of um, the COVID Act, yeah, um, public health and sa- then the, the new one, which we're yeah. all protesting again, not one release of um health advice has been released to the general public and every time they made a decision they were supposed to release those documents after two weeks and it still hasn't been done to this day it still has not been done and no one has picked up on this well you know these people when i say these people i'm talking about the politicians any bill they come up with isn't worth the paper it's written on because they've just violated a whole bunch of the, the bills, the Human Rights Acts and so forth, mm. just over the last few years. So I, I really don't have much respect for any other bill that comes along. Ultimately, if these people want to do something, they will do something. Mm. Everything is always this sliding spectrum of, well, we have to keep your 
your human rights in consideration with uh, you know the safety of everyone else, and that just gives them the go ahead to justify anything, you know, because there's no absolutes anymore. It's like, well, I have a right to decide what I put in my own body without being coerced to do something by the government. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, mate. Look, uh, it's a public health and safety measure. But I thought that was the. I mean, this is what I've heard anyway. That yeah. ever most of the countries in Europe had their own regulations and so forth but i think because we've been in convict land for so for the last couple of years which has had some of the worst uh uh mandates and so forth i guess stepping out of australia things don't look as bad i i didn't feel it over there that's the thing i i never felt like i had to have all my papers in check just in case someone would you know anywhere and mm. and even in i customs it was it was just it just was nice. It felt normal, mm. but nothing feels normal right now. Everything, everyone's still stepping on eggshells, and and this is the thing we're not going to address, and we're not going to see the ramifications on later on. Is like the psychological effects. Like I know people to this day that are still suffering from PTSD from the lockdowns, and just like this feelings of loneliness. And now we're seeing that maybe through what we've seen with the the rise in ticks on, off TikTok, and yeah. But it's really interesting to see where we were a year ago when we last had our podcast and where society is now, I feel like... Well, it's been normalized, right? The concept of lockdowns and so forth. And it's interesting because this is your area of specialty. Mm. Lockdowns is typically a term that's used for the criminal system, for mm. prisons, right? Everyone has a lockdown, go to your cells and so forth. And essentially, we've been treated like criminals. In fact, many of the psychological tactics that have been used on us are the kind of tactics that you'd use in warfare. You know, things like separating i i would argue that a lot of this stuff has been um intentionally created in terms of um having people you know war with each other if you're looking at this from a grander scale and i feel like i sound like alex jones anytime i talk about this but there is this um massive division that's going on in the world right now because of people's stances and there are some people that believe that this stuff has been orchestrated because when people are divided it makes it more difficult to fight the the real evils in society and so forth and mm. uh i would say just over the last few years we've had more division than we've ever had yeah but yeah back to the whole um lockdown thing and the prison system have you have you worked with any any criminals i'm, I'm not sure exactly if your work would lead you into that but have you have you had dealt with people that were in the prison system throughout the uh the the pandemic and are there any things that were implemented to them that were like I've heard of uh, policies where they were they were giving um, exemptions for for criminals if they went and got a vaccine and things like that. Like how is mm. the how is the pandemic and the mandates affected the criminal justice system and, and criminals per se? I don't really know much. We're actually just doing the research on it now, but mm. it was more the fact that for people who are already in prisons, they weren't allowed to have their visitors so that was the issue with them and y everyone every time people think about prisoners they think well you know they deserve to be there but we're looking at as i said we're looking at a lot of people who are there because of some drug or addiction yeah victimless it, crimes they it, shouldn't be in there in my it's, opinion it, yeah. it's it's very rare that someone's in there because they've created some type of media sensational crime very very rare yeah um so you're looking at people who you know We've got to remember that prisons are the most heavily traumatized population in society. That's why they're there, because these are people who do not know how to deal 
um, with how life has treated them. For someone to get there, you've got to understand that, you know, they've had a pretty terrible life to wind up there. It's very rare, and it's very rare that there's someone in there who's a, just a born criminal. But that's what the media likes to hold on to, and that's what people like to sensationalize. But the majority of people there are people who've been there through trauma, for addiction issues, or for there because, um, you know, they're just trying to get by. And they're looked on so disgracefully. And, you know, some of them, some of the people who are in there, yeah, they 100% deserve to be in there. But to treat them as inhumane is is really interesting because there's a lot of people who should be in prison for pretty ghastly crimes and they get away with it because they have the lawyers to pay. They have the money and the, the, the ways to work around the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Martha Stewart and what she did. Who's Martha Stewart? What Ma- did she do? Martha Stewart? You don't know. She was like the little home lady that was Mrs. Fixer that could turn paper mache into a beautiful, glorious centerpiece for your christmas dinner and she got done for um insider trading yeah yeah she got home detention now home detention like we've all experienced what lockdown was here home detention sucks Mm -hmm. but for someone who who did that like was her as a victimless crime did she profit from it yes and it, it just shows you the difference in how people are treated in the justice system even if they're a crime like if they're very wealthy they get away with it and like we're seeing what's happening now in America, there's um, you know, legislation now which has legalized um, marijuana or cannabis. Mm. Yet those same states are still locking away people who got done for marijuana use. Yeah. So why why aren't they free? Did you hear what happened in Thailand? I haven't Thailand. I know the the Brit- the was a Brittany Griner. No, they state. they've they've legalized marijuana. Oh wow! Now for, that's. Not a big deal in the sense that a lot of countries around the world are doing that, right? Mm. But Thailand used to be, not even that long ago, just maybe a few weeks ago, maybe Death a month penalty. ago. One of yeah, one of these countries yeah. where a lot of pe- I mean, there was a classic case here in Australia a decade or so ago where someone was facing capital punishment because they smuggled uh, marijuana or some substance like that. So you've gone from uh, punishing people in terms of ending their life, which is the most you know extreme form of punishment. To oh look, we'll, 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 let's just forget that. Now, what I have read is that they are actually giving a waiver to people that are in jail. You know, they're actually letting them off. But that just shows the just the insanity. This is the biggest problem I've had with the criminal system. It's so ambivalent. It's like oh, we're gonna have like I believe in the idea of the universality of of rights. Like if something is wrong, it should be wrong regardless of where you are, and it shouldn't be regardless of how far you go into the future, it should, shouldn't change, you know? No. The fact Everyone that, should be treated equal in the eyes of the law. And, the, and they're the, not. Exactly. And it brings us to the kind of situation we have now, like within the current justice system, where the government basically gets to circumvent your rights, you know, in the interests of the greater good and trying to keep everyone safe. You know, your rights are not determined um, by unenable rights, you know, but they're determined by the generosity of the state. And this is what leads to a criminal, a criminal system where people get the death penalty, life sentences because they've taken some substance. And I know people say it's going to lead to X and Y problems and so forth. But my whole thing, I mean, it, look, it, let's say we, we, we forget that, right? In terms of resolving the problem anyway, because this, this is a, a heart of the problem. How is putting someone in jail for, the, for a certain amount of time, uh, taking lots of taxpayers' money, 
and making the, and not addressing the real issue. How is that alleviating the problem for society at large? If the if we're looking at this in terms of the greater good, because I know you have you look at this from a di very different perspective. You want to implement meditation and so forth, but the current system clearly it's not working. It's it's not, and it's because people look at least in certain third world countries, you you know that the system is corrupt, and you know if you've got enough amount of money, you can buy your way out. But here in the Western world, it's under this illusion where um, it's not corrupt. But if you have the right lawyers and have the right money, you can get out of it. Look, look, look at what happened. Look at all the corporations that cause grievous bodily harm with their products. They knowingly know, like for example, there's like meat, meat packing plants that causes deaths in like E. coli deaths through their meats. Um, I'm not going to talk about one big company, which is a big thing that we starts with a P, ends okay. with an R, um, but knowingly has immunity and now has released a product in which is harming people and it's causing has caused deaths. Who's held accountable? Nothing happens to these people in these CEOs in power. In fact, they get a bonus and they get accolades. So it's it's how, how do we combat that? Yeah. How do we combat a system that un unless you're wealthy, you'll fail? Mm. and that's like i see it all the time and you know i try and you know teach my students it's like you know at the end of the day there's people who are in positions of power um and we were just talking about um cases of uh we we're looking at um drugs and drugs related crimes and how you know again you know marginalized black people are thrown in jail for marijuana yet cops who deal drugs on the street and knowingly deal drugs and traffic it they, they get away, they get a slap on the wrist, they might just lose their badge. Mm -hmm. um, yet one person's in jail for seven years and one person just loses their job. How is that justice? Yeah. And it happens time and time again, which it really makes people sit there and go like, what, what's the point of this system? Yeah. You know, and you know, it's, it's really interesting to see. So if I can at least help the people who are in there so they mm -hmm. can lead a better life and not be bitter and angry by the situation, it's the least I can do. Absolutely. I think that's the best approach to addressing the problem because my whole thing is I'm not a big fan of punishment. As much as we, we get frustrated, maybe it's the narcissism within us, call it what you will, but when someone wrongs us, we want to slash back at them. But in terms of trying to benefit the society, how is that doing that? Because more often than not, when you bring about more violence, it's not really teaching people. As I mentioned, as you, I think, mentioned, um, you know, you have rep more, more repeat offen offenders than you do people that have been truly rehabilitated. So that's why you have to look at things like uh, trying to address the root of the problem, like um, through meditation and through other. Are there mm -hmm. any other like practices that there are for addressing people that are criminals or have these psychological problems and so forth well they've got those drug programs they've got like alcohol anonymous narcotics anonymous mm. they've got cognitive behavioral therapy as well that they can they can but then again they don't have the resources in jail to um really um handle all the people you know, you know a, a lot of the times that there's this there's this mm. saying that goes in criminology where if, if someone needs a drug rehab program it's been looked at like science has shown they need at least three months of a heavy heavy mm. program the, the prisons will only pay for maybe one one month so if they get that at all i just had a thought i can see this happening right mm. because we're thinking about rehabilitation right but the way things are headed at the moment imagine if elon musk decides to uh work with the government 
and they implement some kind of neural link device on prisoners that prevents them from having malicious thoughts. So now these people have a forcibly because you you've you've committed some crime, right? So it could be a victimless crime. Oh look, mate, you've uh, you've taken too many drugs, so we're gonna we're gonna put this chip into your head. Don't worry, mate. Uh, it's safe. It's safe, right? Everything's safe. <laughs> and now you can't you you can't even have negative thoughts, right? You can't even think rebellious thoughts. You can't do anything that's against the law, which could be anything, right? And I really feel as if um, we're moving in that direction because where is there? I I heard I read stories of the government willing to. Uh, um, like in situations, and you you can attest to this, they are actually willing to step in and force medicate people. Let let's say if you're some kind of like a sex offender or something like that, I'm pretty sure there are certain circumstances where they'll actually uh, chemically castrate you. Yeah, Lupron. So, Lupron's the drug. Okay. Now, but they also are giving that drug to kids right now. Yeah, like that's that's, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's, an, that's, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But I, I really feel like we're headed in that direction because the biggest fear I have, for someone like me that loves technology, I also understand the inherent risks within some of the technologies that we're coming about with. Like as much as I love social media, I can connect with all you, you know, people o- online and so forth. Um, it's all it's destroying the way which we really connect. And then in terms of the criminal system, let's say we have these technologies that can um, uh, that can correct a whole bunch of neurological problems we have and so forth. You know, if someone's suffering from a stroke, can't move. Neural uh, link device Elon Musk has come up with can alleviate that. But then imagine a scenario where the government decides to force this on people. It hasn't been fully tested. A lot of people aren't aware. That device that I'm talking about, it's a real thing now. Um, a bunch of monkeys died during the testing for that. Oh, the Neuralink? Yeah, absolutely. Now imagine that. Now imagine the government saying, oh, look, we spoke, look, mate, we've spoken to Elon Musk. It's 100% safe. Don't worry about anything. And then they forcibly, they mandate this stuff just like they mandate mandate the vaccines, which of course are a hundred percent safe, right? Now what? I I think I think the biggest fear we probably have, depending on where we're going, is probably mm. AI. Yeah. I think I think AI is developing uh, much faster than we um, expect it to be, mm-hmm. and if AI knows intentions and it knows intentions of war, it probably put an end to it. And imagine if the power grids just go off like that. Where are we going to be? Sure. That's an interesting premise. I want to work with that a little because even the ability for humans to interpret intentions, this is a very tricky thing, you know, because mm. we often have to make pseudo profundities in regards to what someone is intending to do. It's like the government is saying that I, it, the government deals in the intent of, of, of problems all around, whether it's a virus or whether it's a country Oh, we think so and so might uh, invade us, you know. But it's not to say that they are going to do that. You speculate, and I can only and considering that humans are much better at this, considering they use emotional intelligence, I can only imagine how much worse it's going to be if artificial intelligence, which is not a good replacement for emotional intelligence, at least at this point. Well, maybe how it, they're going to be. We never know. I can go one way or another. I think yeah. I can go a way in which it could be very moralistic and be like, well, this is not good for humanity. We're going to shut this down now. I don't know if you've. Uh, there was this. Great what do you mean shut this down now? Like shut down the the AI now? What do, what do you mean? Well, maybe like you know, for example, we we might let AI might be like, well, if if because everything is run by technology these days. Yeah. So sure. for example, if we're going to go to war, AI may be the one that steps in and stops us from sure. pressing pressing the the bomb. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, but then it it comes to the down to like if our AI looks at the whole 
environmental impact of if it goes even further yeah well, if, if humans are creating all this environmental impact through to power and blah blah mm. blah maybe let's just shut down the power grid yeah but that's that's a very extreme thought sure there was a great video that um came up um and we've all seen how like they're thinking that ai is um becoming consciousness but there was this great video and it was this um uh simulation of this game that was mm -hmm. run and it was these two defenders and two attackers and the whole purpose of this was they ran like um, test after test seeing how the ai would outsmart its ai mm -hmm. and it was really interesting to watch it because as the um the it developers were watching it they, they noticed that the ai was breaking the rules of the game in the computer which was bending the laws of physics per se. That, that stuff blows my mind. Because I've seen exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and they, they, were surfing, they were surfing on these boxes and doing this, which which it was impossible. And they actually broke the rules of physics of that game. Yeah. And I found that so, so interesting yeah. of how fast it developed after a certain amount of simulations. I love these conversations because I have, you know, these braingasms, right? Because I'm thinking of just the po possibilities, like a situation where something can learn t to improve itself, right? Mm. And then what that leads to, because human beings, I mean, we're, we're somewhat limited, right, in our ability to exponentially increase our ability to do things. But when you give this, when you defer this to a computer, you give the computer the task of learning chess. And there, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where, you know, I'm not sure about this, but I think that, well, 99% of people uh, can be outplayed by uh, AI chess, you know? Mm. And that there are a few elite chess players that can somehow rival this, you know. But it's reaching the point now where computers are so much more advanced, and they can learn anything. Learn how to uh, write a. I mean, there, there are programs where you can computers can. I mean, we have self-driving cars, for instance. You can have the, the limitations are becoming less and less in terms of the possibility to. There's a, there's, a, there's an app called Night Cafe and you mm. give you give a couple of words um, suggested to an AI bot and it mm. creates these beautiful pieces of art. I've heard about stuff like that. Yeah. That's fucking because the biggest thing for me has been like, uh, look, I don't care about your technology. Computers can't do art. People like me are always going to be in demand because you can't create music. You can't create you know, visual art. But now you've got computers that are coming up with music. And look, in fairness, I don't really think it's that artistic. It's no. it's yeah, but it's it's just just algorithms. Yeah. But it's algorithms done in a way which looks very beautiful. Mm. But what do you think of this? Like, do do you think there's anything that can not be learnt by a computer? Like, we're talking about like are there human attributes that cannot be deferred to a computer? Because this get, gets down to the realm of the spiritual and what it is to actually be human. Are we just machines, or are we just like a three D? Oh, was it like are we just like a holographic? You know, holographic theory or how we're just a hologram in the middle of the universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's an old quantum physics idea. Sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, you know, it comes down to can can a cat have emotion? Can can a bug have an emotion? Like, can a computer have an emotion? It, it oh. might it might think it isn't an emotion. We 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 really don't know. And the fact the way AI is developing in such an exponential rate, it's mm. really interesting to see where it could like who's to say sure like, i i I'm, I'm not i never like using words like absolute absolutely or because <laughs> absolutely at, at, using that definitively to absolutely point. yeah but you know you should or it's we're we're at this point of evolution that we don't know where humanity is going mm. um it's it's really interesting. I mean, there's I forgot the name of there's a there's these seven levels of the way humans can power um the 
the world and the universe, and we're not even at that stage where we're talking about type one, type two civilizations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not we're not, e- we're not type, even at type, type one. We're yeah, at like yeah. point point eight or point seven. Absolutely. Um, the point where we can harness the energy of of, of the, the planet sun, Earth. Yeah, yeah planet yeah. Earth or the sun, and or to transform. Oh, he, check this out! Imagine being able to transform um, energy into matter, mm. or transform matter. Like we're at the point where we can convert matter into energy right mm. we do that in many different ways right um but imagine the point where you can transfer energy you can just create things like oh let's create a cat out of this um this device here oh we got some electricity let's just create that because everything is energy yeah. like everything Wouldn't that, be the sun, that would be sun power energy to matter yeah. yeah it's crazy when you think about it because everything in the universe within our current understanding is made up of hydrogen oxygen nitrogen carbon right and then if you can just rearrange these elements and then create something is that all that is required in order to create life, or is there another component? Because I asked you a question in, in terms of whether humans will be able to, whether computers will be able to do anything humans can be right, can do right. And I think your answer is is within the realm of let's say a, a materialistic outlook, right? Because mm. materialists don't tend to look at the spiritual side of things, and their attitude is um, ultimately you can just redefine the, the the matter and create consciousness, right? But from a spiritual or religious standpoint, there isn't. Uh, an aspect to life because you were you were talking about bugs and animals and so forth how like i got the impression like you you kind of put them in in a different category in terms of awareness and oh i think they're very aware yeah because my whole thing is the these beings sentient beings have this uh consciousness within them you know that is beyond this this physicality like the idea that all i am is just protons neutrons and electrons and um that's somehow been arranged in this perfect way to create this illusion of awareness that to me, like intuitively, I feel like there is an aspect of me that is aware. There, there's even studies that have done where plants can have reactions. Yeah, I don't know if, the, you've, the, if you've no, heard I, about I'm that. I'm very familiar with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Jacques Fresco would speak about this a lot and talk about how you know you can put electrodes onto plants and they they respond to stimuli. Yeah, I always make the 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 point the distinction this because a lot of people say there is no distinction between animals and plants and so forth. And I say, well, there is this. I mean, for some things, everything is alive, even. Even uh, the, the cells within uh, your body are alive, but the way in which we define sentience, which is having like a a, a, a vis- like a consciousness in terms of a, a not just an awareness, but a response to stimuli, feeling pain, that kind of stuff, having a brain, a central nervous system connected to a heart. Yeah. The the prerequisites for sentience um, is is not just self awareness, you know, um, but it is um, it is something that I I always delineate between animal life which is basically like from a philosophical standpoint having some force working through it right that allows this conscious um awareness and expression responding to stimuli right pain and so forth versus something that is simply just there conscious because everything you can make the argument everything is conscious Mm. but when we're speaking about animals i mean the whole idea is that they're called animals because it's derived from the word animus it's this idea that you're having this animating force working through you and this is this isn't something built necessarily on science. It's a philosophical idea that there is a distinction between something which is alive and something which is actual sentience. Because at 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 some point we could say everything is aware, which mm. is true. But is there a distinction between this inanimate object, like this microphone, mm. and you? Clearly, there is. Yeah. Then my then my thoughts on that. Yeah. But uh, I love this conversation. I love this kind of <laughs> stuff. This is why I love getting you on here. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you, do, do you, I, I get the impression that you believe that AI 
will have the ability to do anything and everything. And we will at some point have these computers that will be able to think and act like human beings and actually be like human beings, right? I'm, I'm, like, I'm not sure. Like, oh, that's right. You said you weren't sure. That's right. You did say it. Because I would say, you ready for it? I'm, I'm bold. I'm arrogant. I say things as I see it. I absolutely believe that technology will reach this incredible point, right? But if you know anything about AI, it needs to meet this prerequisite. It's called the, uh, the Turing test, right? Oh, yeah. And the idea is that at the point where human beings cannot tell the difference between an art artificial intelligent um, being and, a, and an actual being, if it passes this test, then it meets the requirement for being artificially intelligent. However, just because something is artificially intelligent doesn't mean it's actually aware, sentient. It's just been created in a way that is so sophisticated that you can't delineate between that thing actually being a real human being or a computer. But just because something is behaving in a particular way, like they got programs now, right, where you're, ta you're, you're texting to these, you know, these girls on these web, web, web chat. Um, you apparently, know, so they've no, got, they... apparently I've heard they've got like bots on like Tinder and Bumble and stuff Yeah, like and that some of now. them are pretty convincing. I mean, you know, for, for a G like me that's been doing this for a while, <laughs> I can always tell them, like, oh, this is fake. Look at your, your grainy picture. Yeah, this ain't real and shit. And it's like, what are you doing? Give me your number straight away. This is nonsense, right? But they're getting really good at it. They're like, hi, Krishna. Oh, I, lo I love your big muscles. And I like that you're into consciousness. Oh, we should meet up sometime. Like, oh, is this, is this real? Is this real? They're getting really good at it. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not on it. So. All right, but no, I'm, I'm just telling you. Like, I think there is a distinction between uh, meeting the Turing test, right? So passing mm. the test where most human beings will think you're alive. There's an amazing show based off of this. It's called Westworld. It's, it's so yep. scary. It made me like just blew my mind. Like, imagine living in a society, right, where you go to these theme parks that have beings, right, that act and talk like human beings, like just like I'm speaking to you. However, they're artificial intelligent. But you go there just to have fun. So you do what the fuck you want. You don't care, right? And then you get desensitized and you start treating these things like they're not beings. Think about how that's going to affect your own world. Well, I, don't, that, I don't know. There's a lot of people that yeah. I've met lately that are just like robots and zombies anyway. Yeah. Just, you know, regurgitating whatever they're supposed to be angry at. That's social media. <laughs> have a look at how people interact on things like TikTok and YouTube, right? Sorry. I moved the camera. Sorry. All right. Sorry, people. We'll just leave it. Because check this out. I don't know if you, you read YouTube comments. Have you been on YouTube? You, you read YouTube comments? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll mention something later on, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. That's the classic example of people that are interacted in this simulacra, this uh, Westworld-like uh, world where they just say whatever they want to people without having to experience the reaction face-to-face. -face. So they're just, just like, you suck balls. And they say the worst stuff. And then stuff. You, when you see them in person, they're either too aggressive or they, they can't even function and speak to a, a person properly. Absolutely. And this is what I was talking about. That's the current world we're in now, mm. right? A lot of people don't know how to react or interact with people because they've been living, spending all their lives at home. Mm. They've got um they've got um a thing that's happening right now in uh Japan and China where they have uh people who are shut-ins who are so uh so used to being um like imprisoned by the technology that they have um these therapists that come around and teach people how to interact with people because um they don't know how to even mm. speak to a, a real human being anymore which is really interesting. Mm. But but going back to that that, that divergent thought like I noticed this a lot um recently um how people are being told how to be angry and what to be angry at and i noticed that here in australia like the whole and we're going to get into something controversial here which is the whole thing that happened in america which is the rove 
oh. overturning of well, Roe v. Let's talk about that. That's a bit of controversy. Well, now. this is the thing. Like, I am, I am a very pro-choice person. Um, if as uh, am I. Um, and let's let me get that straight right. Right, let right away that I am mm. pro-choice. I, 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 but I do understand that um, you are taking a life if it's still in a womb. Because at the end of the day, it's still a living thing, and this is where this whole thing of where, when does consciousness begin? That's and it's point. not it's not yeah. the, it's not the breath. But at least I and I know and I acknowledge the fact that I am taking a life. I'm also a meat eater, so I find it really um, hypocritical of um, vegan vegan people who are pro pro choice, and I find it really hypocritical about pro lifers who eat meat. All right. Well, I love Be- the fact we because, brought this because, up. Because, this, yeah. because for vegans, veal is bad, but mm. abortions are good. And for pro-lifers, um, you know, a life is a life is a life, but you'll mm. eat a steak. So there's, 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 there's hypocrisy on both sides. I believe in um, eating meat. I believe in pro-choice. And I am anti-mandate. So at least I'm covering it on the, right. the spectrum there. But it was really interesting to see what was happening in America they had protests here in Australia about it. And people, all these girls were nuts here about it. Meanwhile, I remember from a protest, they were saying, you know, my body, my choice. And this one girl's right holding this sign saying, force, force mastectomies. And you're like, hang on, isn't it my body, my yeah, choice? Yeah, my body, my choice. But and, right. and then if you really cared about this issue, why aren't you rising up to the female genital mutilation in Somalia and Sierra Leone sure. and all these other countries that don't have these rights, but you all of a sudden care because America has told you to care? Salient points, salient points. And Look, and uh, it, it pissed me off. It's like, you, you, you don't because you don't stand up when these things... You're, 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 you're threatened now because it's happening in a Western world, but no one cares what's happening in other parts of the country and these rights being take, are taken away from women. And they rose up, had their protest. What are they doing about it now? Sure. Which is really interesting. And if you actually read the whole Roe versus Wade thing, um, if you went into the legislation that's been overturned, mm. some some states have cans like, uh, like as soon as conception occurs, that's it, no more abortions. Yeah. But some are le- letting it like letting it slide to the first trimester. Trimester. Sure. So it's not a complete ban on it. Yeah. It's just the first trimester. I'm glad you you, you clarified that. And point. I read yeah. I read I read the legislation in all the other states, and a lot of people are um, arcing up about certain things which I haven't even read properly. But I still believe everyone should have freedom of choice well this is what because it comes I, down yeah because i want to have that choice all right well let me just a- address some of these issues because these are, I, I love this kind of stuff because this is the stuff i love to talk about on my youtube channel right i get to the controversial stuff and first of all you were so right in saying that the actual legislation right is bringing back the decision to the states and it specifically deals with the point i think it's something like 15 weeks at where it's not just a blanket rule like um uh, you, the the woman has a right to uh, to decide. You know, some are some are yeah. four weeks, some are fifteen weeks. Okay, but there's an actual. No, I'm not certain in regards to the actual time frame, but this is the situation where it's actually defaulting to the states, making their decision in regards to what the laws are going to be. In regards to the the, the various issues that there, because you brought up um, the the issue of abortion, pro-choice, all that kind of stuff, veganism, and a whole bunch of other issues. Ultimately, I believe it comes down to choice, mm-hmm. but there is something in regards to. Uh, the basically freedom from aggression right my whole attitude is that i don't believe in someone initiating violence so actively doing something that is wrong right Mm -hmm. or supporting something that is wrong 
when it comes to the abortion issue, this is a very delicate situation because yeah. you have to balance the rights of the mother versus the rights of the unborn fetus, right? Because absolutely, that child, let's assume that it is conscious, it is aware, right? It has its own rights. However, you cannot provide the rights of that child without violating the rights of that woman, all right? Yeah. And it's a situation here where the fetus is basically surviving on the, the, the mother. Therefore, in order to um, allow for that child to live, you have to deprive that mother of its own sovereignty. And this is why it's a tricky situation. Yeah. A lot of people look at this as being inconsistent to say that you're pro-choice and let's say, oh, you're vegan as well. I don't because it's a situation, it's, it's kind of like, um, I call this the evictionist argument, right? Let's say there's some kind of war going on, right? Someone comes into my house. Let's say a puppy comes into your house, right? Because I love pu puppies. I'm a vegan, love animals, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're in a situation with this, this puppy's just come into your house, right? And you think it's going to be there for a certain amount of time, right? But then this war gets really, really dangerous. And you're like, oh, you can't keep this puppy in your house. You're like, look, I got I'm sorry, puppy. I don't have enough food here. Look, we're, I, I can't have you stay here. It's my house, my property. And you, you kick the puppy out, right? And it's obviously going to die, right? Mm -hmm. Now, granted, you haven't actively killed that. But by letting it out, basically, you've, you've assigned it to death. Yeah. It's, you've evicted it because it's your body, your property. And it seems like a very simplistic perspective. But my whole thing is it's a shitty thing to do. But it's your own body. It's very. It's basically a form of passive violence versus active violence. Whereas you're not. Whereas to say, if you're going out to kill someone, right? I'm coming to your house and killing you. That's active violence. But if you're doing something that is most likely going to result in something's death, yeah. and you're not violating anyone's right, it's your body. That's something that is not a form of like violence. That's how I look at it yeah. personally. I think with with the whole conversation is both both sides have legitimate points. Um. And that's what's happening right now. I think what's happening in our society is that we're so used to being in our own echo chambers that if if someone disagrees with us, we delete them. And the the whole purpose of conversation is to, and obviously opposite conversation, is to learn from one another and mm -hmm. to have this freedom of speech. And that's where we're very lucky. And Roe versus Wade is a very different thing because, again, it's this legislation that's now being forced upon to to people and not ev everything should be free and it's very it's very hippo um hi what's it called? hypocritical critical mm. of what's happening in america but then they're they're um anti-mandate so and but then mm. it's the, the other way around there's the people who are pro pro-choice are very for mandate. my body my choice right you know so it's like it's really <laughs> interesting to wa watch both sides just be completely hip hypocrites of one another but we, we've we've become so divided because we've created these echo chambers within which another like we can't even have debates like they're having certain places in American universities where certain speakers come and they get shut down because of protest because um, they can't even talk like mm -hmm. I'm I'm not left wing or right wing I'm 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 in the middle so if you have for example the people from the Young Turks coming to talk they should talk if you have someone like um, Jordan Peterson come to talk sure. they should talk because it's this conversation which lets lets people have a balanced mind absolutely and you can learn from one another mm -hmm. but we don't have that anymore in our society. We don't mm. have this. And in, in fact, if, if people don't agree with us, we get angry as opposed to just stopping and listening to each point of view because there's always a valid and truth to each side of the argument. That's the tricky thing though because I absolutely agree with what you're saying that we should have open debate. That's the whole idea of freedom of speech, a healthy marketplace of ideas so we can try to listen to each other and figure out 
who has the better points and so forth. But I think it would be somewhat disingenuous for me to say that, look, you can have any opinion you want and I'm always going to find something truthful within it because there are some – the way that I feel – I am actually an absolutist when it comes to certain things. Like I absolutely believe that I have complete and utter sovereignty of my of my own body. And whereas there's some people that don't see it see it as being hypocritical, right, to say my body, my choice in terms of whether I t I take an experimental vaccine, I 100% don't, right. Mm. And my and the thing is, I'm going to be bold about this, right, because most people want to be diplomatic about everything. I'm not one of these people. I strive to be, but I also draw a line. I will go as far as saying that it is absolutely wrong for someone to try to regulate what I put in my body. Yeah. And I understand that we should have this debate, but at some point you have to be willing to draw the line. If you don't feel strongly enough about your your principles and the views that you hold to the point where you're willing to actually stand and fight for them, right? Then you probably don't feel that strongly about them. Yeah. That's how I feel anyway. I'm the same. I, I will. I you know I went to a few protests last year during the lockdowns. And because it meant something towards me, um, I, I have my opinions. I'll always listen to both sided arguments. And and you know what? I'm always pres presently surprised when I learn something else and it changes my mind. And I like that because that's what the whole purpose of our life here. And everyone's always asking, what what is the meaning of life? And here it is to learn. And that's what I believe. We're here to learn. We're here to grow. And we're here to sort of, uh, sort of progress and evolve. And so if you're surrounded by only one type, one group of people, one thought, you never really learn anything, learn anything else. And that's where societies become stilted. That's true. But it, there's a difference between free, uh, freedom of speech and hate speech. And there's certain things. I don't think there is. <laughs> so I'll let you go on. <laughs> well, okay. For, how, how do you define hate speech? Um, calling for genocide of a population. You see, that's actually incitement. You see, what you're calling hate speech isn't actually hate speech, right? Yeah. Like, the, calling the incitement of violence is, is not actually... That, that's actually incitement. Okay. That's not allowed. Because typically within the leftist ideology, right, um, hate speech is basically saying things that are racist, uh, uh, bigoted, and so forth, right? But effectively, it means saying things that offend people, right? Because yeah. I can say, I don't like you because of the color of your skin, right? That's referred to as hate speech. I agree with what you're saying. Well, apparently, apparently, hate, apparently yeah. hate speech right now is using a wrong pronoun. Yeah, because this is. I always and try to get I, and particular. I, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I, I, come on. No, but that's the thing. It is like within because look, I you're right and I'm right depending on how you define things. Because mm. if you're defining hate speech based off of uh, what you actually think it means, I agree with you. But most people see hate speech as saying anything that offends, right? Including the the use of not calling someone by their right gender pronoun, this, saying something that's racist and so forth, this, so forth, and that's not actual freedom of speech. You can say that it's wrong to say these things, but classically defined, um, freedom is of free free speech does actually include hate speech in terms of saying things that offend people. So it's not nice, <laughs> but it is still freedom of speech. This is the thing: like you can have an argument with someone. Imagine like someone goes like, "Well, you're just a dumb, right, dirty, blah blah," and you're yeah. just a, you're just a horrible little slut. Yes. So, like, wouldn't that be hate speech? Does that mean that's that, mean? That, <laughs> That's just being, you know, that's just being rude and offensive. Absolutely. Does that someone do? Does that involve throwing someone in jail? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. No, I, I, think I don't you and think I, so. You and I would agree that it's not nice. It's mean. Yeah, it, you, it hurts. You should, yeah, you shouldn't do it in terms of like, it's not nice to do it. However, and this is the big but, you have the right to do that, meaning that the government should not come into the situation and put you in jail because you've said something that's made someone feel sad. Because I don't like it. I know you don't like it. Oh. When you get called a, a racist, right, by simply going, you know, by simply being white, right? Which, believe it or not, check this out. Recently, I, I checked this girl 
on on social media that was saying that you guys when I say you guys, maybe that's a little racist, but I'm talking about white European people, right? Shouldn't be coming to the premiere of the new Black Panther movie, right? That should just be left to the black people. And the best way for you to show your solidarity, solidarity, right? Black power is by letting the black people go and watch Black Panther 2 on the first week and not attending. And I'm like, what? And there are people that have that idea, ideology, that viewpoint, and they think it's somewhat offensive and it's even a form of hate speech for you to call them ridiculous, right? Just because you are a different color. Now, personally, I think that's ridiculous. But that's the kind of nonsense that we're seeing in the world where people are saying things like that. And just by disagreeing with them, you immediately, if you're not the right color, you immediately get called a white supremacist. Well, you can be racist against anything. And this is the thing. Like, racism exists about uh, white to black, black to white. Um, 100%. You know... As it's classically defined, you know, you can have South Koreans and North Koreans being racist against it. it. It's 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 a racism, and the fact that it's not being acknowledged that it can, uh, uh, you know, involve all spectrums and all races against each other, like apparently you you can't be racist against white people. It just just doesn't exist. But well, you can because you, you look can at, look at what happened with. World War Two. Oh, a hundred percent. It's just some people are trying to read. You know, typically the black community, particular social justice community, are trying to redefine the definition of racism. And right, racism exists everywhere, and I think it comes down to we just have to accept people for who who they are. And it's it's just it's just really interesting that everyone goes, well, I'm not racist, but you know, you'll hear someone saying, I'm not racist, but then we'll they'll talk negatively about a certain type of culture it's just like well isn't yeah. that isn't that well sometimes you know, every, it's, every, it's, every like yeah we're, we're not maybe we're not guilty of it but maybe everyone is guilty of it in a little way or yeah. they have that thought you know like just like saying like you know and not to be offensive saying like you know you know women or asians are bad drivers yeah Look, we, and, we that's, generalize. and that's not true like yeah. we generalize absolutely sometimes it's just pattern recognition like me saying that you know black people are from west africa are good sprinters because statistically speaking the fastest people uh, it's shown by the Olympics, you know, the uh, World Games and so forth have typically been people of this uh, of this race. And you can say negative things, you know, as well as a generalization, like black people can't swim that well. And the truth is sub-Saharan um, Africans, they tend to have a um, higher like um, bo bone density or something like that, which means that they don't float as much buoyancy, right? And this has been proven many, many times. So yeah. statistically speaking, this is why you don't see them, you know, winning the uh, the... <laughs> the breaststroke and things like that, freestyle. But mm. that's just a generalization. It's pattern recognition. It's yeah. not to say that, well, I can't observe reality and make an inference on whether something is is generally happening without being called racist. And that's the situation that we're in because people are so sensitive, they're quick to call you a racist when I know you're a race. You're not a racist, obviously. <laughs> it's like, why would you be? It's like, I like racist. I, you know, I know clearly you don't care about that kind of stuff. In fact, I know plenty of black people that are way more racist than you are, right? But I know you have been called. You told me one, on one of the podcasts that you know you were referred to as being racist, you know, simply because of the color of your skin. Because I went to a because I, I went to a protest about freedom. About freedom. How does that? And this is the insanity that we're seeing. Yeah, uh, uh, there was, oh, I can't remember this quote, um, but there was this something about quote where it goes, "When you, when you put um, something like uh, people's feelings ahead of freedom." everyone loses but if you keep freedom and um people's feelings together that's when everyone wins absolutely absolutely truth freedom justice first feelings second let's be concerned about people and how they feel but not at the cost of reality and 
people's rights, human rights, and so forth. I really enjoyed talking to you so much. This is this has been an amazing podcast. I try to keep these things down an hour, typically because I'm recording oh, this. Oh, we and, did an hour longer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's probably going to um, over um, like go in my storage capacity in a second. But I just wanted to uh, wind this thing down and say, as per usual, you have not um, disappointed. It's been a tumultuous <laughs> conversation. We covered so many issues, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nicolette Panko. She's on social media. She is on Instagram. I don't think she's done the uh the tiktok thing yet but no, perhaps we and can I, ne- I never no? will yeah no, no sorry yeah apparently a lot of um security concerns because of tiktok it's... but i love tiktok <laughs> i i don't don't take me down tiktok i love love the fact that you're giving me lots of followers don't take I'll, me down i'll love the fact that you love tiktok and i'll support you on your tiktok journey all How right about well, that? i respect that i respect <laughs> that <laughs> all right but nicolette you are a scholar you are an intelligent woman you have so much courage and i admire the fact that you were out there Doing so many amazing things, you know, educating the the world, uh, trying to rehabilitate the criminals, and yeah, yeah just expressing truth, love, and uh, all the amazing things that you were passionate about. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's always such a pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to like this video, subscribe. You can follow me on YouTube. Um, you can you can check out the links on my TikTok, and you can also follow me on Patreon if you want to support me for as little as one dollar a month. Um, I'm gonna have some maybe's. Actually, no, I'm just I try to put things out everywhere, but the Followers and Patreon are going to see this a um, few days earlier. But until next time, uh, remember that th- there are three things that cannot remain hidden for long. Um, the sun, the moon. Do you want to guess what the third one is? I was going to say something like completely inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I try to keep these these things, you know, um, PG. But the truth, absolutely. I'm all about the truth. And I think one of the things that we have to try to respect, regardless of our concern for people's feelings, is the truth and express it as openly and honestly as we can. Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, brothers and sisters, thank you so much for tuning in. Kisses, hugs, and belly rubs. Until next time, signing out. Chris Jewell. Ow! (laughs) Alrighty.